The following podcast is brought to you by the Jonas Podcasting Network, found exclusively at wrestlingwithjonas.com. And hello again, wrestling fans. For me, it is Tuesday evening. For you, it is going to be Thursday afternoon, 12 noon to be precise. And we are your lunchtime escape back into the great, rich history of our sport. It is Thursday for you. This week in history, we're looking at October 1st through the 7th. I want to thank you for joining me, whether you're watching on YouTube or Facebook, or listening to us later on on Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, anywhere else you get your podcast from. We are available on the Ontario Indie Podcasting Network, and as you just heard, the Johnners Podcasting Network. So there's no excuse to miss us at any time. Now, last two episodes, I was in a hotel Trying to get uh, rescue from a flood at my house. I'm back at home, but with limited space and still trying to put everything back together. But we're keeping the uh, tradition alive, making sure we get the content out every week for at least this show, and we're hoping to get back on schedule for everything else. i uh, got a few things going on, so hopefully uh, that will start happening again. Steven uh, looks like he's going to be back soon. And we're going to uh, catch up on everything that we've missed for the last couple of weeks. So I want to thank you once again for being a part of it. Go check us out on any of our social medias, Facebook, easily to get a hold of me. Scumbagswrestling at gmail.com to email. Go to scumbagswrestling.ca for our website. There's a lot of information there. And yeah, just contact us however you want. Be a part of the show and we will be a part of it with you. So thank you, and I'm going to bring in Jonesy from Niagara Falls. How you doing? Howdy. Except for the case of the yawnies, I'm doing good. I hear you. Uh, sitting around doing nothing, uh, waiting for my house to get uh, ready to be put back together in certain aspects. I need to know if I can put stuff in my basement or not, clear out my backyard so I can reclaim it. But right now it's just... Frank and I, uh, during the days, just Frank being my dog, uh, for those listening, uh, just snuggling and watching uh, different wrestling. And, of course, almost like every uh, childhood growing up, when you're homesick, The Price is Right is always there for you. So uh, sitting there watching Price is Right, haven't seen it in a few years since Drew Carey took over. I, it's hard to believe he's been actually there, uh, I guess, 15 years or so now. As they're celebrating their 50th anniversary. So, who knew? I'm not homesick often. But right now with the foot injury, hanging in there and doing what we can. But what is consistent is going to be history. The rich history of our great sport, as Tony Schiavone would say. And so, if you're ready to dive in October 1st, here we go. Here we go. 33 years ago in Rochester, Minnesota, the Destruction Crew, Enos and Wayne Bloom, uh, defeated Greg Gagne and Paul Diamond in a tournament final to win the vacated AWA World Tag Team Championship. This team was actually one of my favorites, uh, to be honest with you. like uh, Back in the day, uh, for those who were our age, you'd uh, get it younger, may not get it so much, but... I flipped the channels and saw WD for the first time Saturday morning with superstars. But that was all you could see basically with WDE or WF. But then you start changing the channel, and sometimes TSN was scrambled, and you had those wavy lines, and you'd end up getting uh, AWA. And eventually I did get TSN. And AWA was one of the uh, first other organizations outside of WDF that I got to see, and they were in their dying times, mind you, doing the Team Challenge series, but the Destruction Crew stood out for me, even though they were heels. I love the Destruction Crew, and when they switched over to uh, WDF as the Beverly Brothers, I was kind of happy until they got abused like they uh, did. Uh, Mike Enos, though, will go down in history as the guy who was in the ring when uh, Razor Ramon or Scott Hall came through uh, the uh, audience on Nitro back in that uh, May of 96 and started the invasion of the NWO. So, you know, it's definitely in history. And Wayne Bloom's son is uh, on NXT 2.0. 
He was nice. in the main event. So cool. the Bloom, Bloom family is still around. 29 years ago in Philly, uh, Eastern Championship Wrestling presented NWA Bloodfest Part 1. Uh, it, uh, which was the first booked card of its eventual owner, Paul Heyman. Uh, Terry Funk defeated Jimmy Snuka to retain the ECW TV belt. And also on the show, uh, Sabu and Tasmaniac debuted against each other with Sabu winning. Yeah, you don't uh, really uh, kind of connect the dots with uh, somebody like Jimmy Snuka or even Don Morocco being a part of Eastern Championship Wrestling, which became ECW, but they were there. Well, even uh, I think every hardcore um, uh, wrestling group, you're always going to have other guys there because you can't just present nothing but hardcore matches. Um, mind you, some do, and they're successful at it. But True. Anyways, 17 years ago, TNA Impact debuts on Spike TV. The show featured the TNA debuts of the Dudley Boys, known as Team 3D, and the return of Kevin Nash. Moving on to October 2nd, 28 years ago, Eastern Championship Wrestling presented NWA Bloodfest Part 2. In the main event, Sabu defeated Shane Douglas to win the NWA ECW Heavyweight Championship. Public Enemy, uh, Johnny Grunge and Flyboy Rocko Rock, defeated Ian and Axel Rotten and Bad Company, which was Paul Diamond and Pat Tanaka, in a three-team uh, steel cage match. 22 uh, years ago, Psychosis is awarded the WCW Cruiserweight Championship. Lillian Lane, the champion at the time, was pulled from WCW programming due to the controversial gay character. Yes, and this was also before uh, Psychosis would go to WDAF and become a lawnmower uh, operator along with Super Crazy and uh, I believe it was Hoobitude. And they all didn't have their masks on uh, when they went to WDAF. 22 years ago, WWF presented the UK exclusive Rebellion from Birmingham, England. This was the last WWF event Vince Russo would book before his WCW jump. Edge and Christian defeated the Acolytes and the Hollies uh, in a triangle match. Triple H retained uh, versus The Rock in a steel cage match for the WWF championship. And that was about it for that as far as... Matches that really mattered. 21 years ago on Nitro from San Francisco, Booker T defeated Jeff Jarrett to win the vacated WCW World Heavyweight Championship in a San Francisco 49ers match. Remember, Russo won the belt on Nitro so he could vacate it for this. Yeah, this was a crazy one. If you see some of the pictures, you got Goldberg confronting Russo in a sort of Mobile glass uh cage so that he's safe. You got David Flair going crazy in the middle of the ring. Uh, the Natural Born Thrillers taking the uh, tag team titles, it looks like there. But the bottom three pitchers relate to the lovely match where Booker T end up getting the uh, championship. And this had four boxes hanging from each corner. One of them had, I think, an autographed photo of Vince Russo potentially in it. I know there was a photo of somebody in the, one of the boxes. Uh, there was uh, a couple of weapons in two of the other boxes. And then the one that had the title, uh, which I think was the lower left-hand corner one, as Booker went to get that one, as you see in the middle picture there, it actually opened up the bottom did and the belt fell out and onto the floor. Like <laughs> It was so embarrassing to see this, uh, it's bad enough that it was uh, a what's in the box type uh, thing, but then for the box to really be that horrible, I have no idea which title reign of Booker's this is, but you know he had five in WCW, and you were saying how many times the title got vacated in WCW uh, just in that short time period because Vince Russo mm. thought they were just props. Yeah, 
that that match with the four boxes why didn't they just go with the cage and put the boxes on the corners of the top of the cage that would look better and be more entertaining anyways that would make sense i know nothing 15 years ago on raw jeff hardy defeated johnny nitro to win the wwe i uh, intercontinental uh, championship 14 years ago, John Zena is diagnosed with a torn right pectoral muscle and had to vacate the WWE Championship belt. The tear occurred during a botched hip toss in a match with Mr. Kennedy from the previous night. Zena would return in four months, just in time to win the 2008 Royal Rumble. Yeah, that was an injury that should have kept him out uh, about 8 to 12 months. Uh, they were originally saying when I saw the uh, original uh report about it but then of course he just showed up uh four months later as you said uh part of the royal rumble i think he was number 30 and it was madison square gardens and the whole world just came to a stop and he stood there in that really short uh aisleway that they use for msg and looked around and fans went crazy and then he went in and won the rumble I think uh, last uh, taking a Triple H, but the guy definitely has some uh, unique healing powers to be able to uh, get through that sort of uh, injury uh, that quickly and resume work in time to return full time for WrestleMania. You know, it doesn't just uh, apply to Scott Steiner and some others. Uh, he is a genetic freak. True. Ten years ago, WWE presented Hell in a Cell. The show featured the first three-way Hell in a Cell match in company history. Mark Henry defeated Randy Orton in a Hell in a Cell match to retain the World Heavyweight Championship. Beth Phoenix defeated Kelly Kelly to win the WWE Divas belt. And Alberto Durio um, defeated CM Punk and John Cena in a triple threat Hell in a Cell match to win the WWE Championship. Couldn't have been put on a worse human being. <laughs> well, you know, he 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 is entertaining live, and I do like uh, his wrestling character. But as a human being, yeah, he's a little bit of a douchebag. Yeah, and he wants to come but back. He's a former WWE champion douchebag. Multiple times, and, and he's a great bad guy. You know, I got you give it to the guy. He's talented. He's a great bad guy. Anyways, nine years ago, WWE taped the first episode of Main Event. In the featured bout, uh, WWE Champion CM Punk defeated World Heavyweight Champion Sheamus in a champion versus champion non-title match. It's non-title. What's the point? Oh, well, well it, it was trying to be a big thing for coming off of uh, starting a new show. But unfortunately, but, this... but not big enough for the t any title to be on the line. True. But then this became a regular show for them. Like they debuted it as main event, and you were going to have the huge matches, like we just said, uh, champion versus champion. And now it's still around, but it's reduced down to what uh, even worse than superstars, I would say. But like Sunday Night Heat, and it's just a syndicated show with two or three matches most and it's all review of what happened in the week so it went from almost being a raw to a we're just filling time yeah not really a main event uh today would have been the 55th birthday of rodney akatupu uh anoya aka the mighty yokozuna he was born in san francisco anoya anoyi is it anoya or noyi and hawaii Anawai, oh my, say that again for me, slow. Anawai. Anawani. See, that doesn't, that's not how it's spelled. How do they expect me? Anyways, he grew up in the famed uh, family, uh, wrestling family, and was trained by his uncles, the Wild Samoans. He wrestled in Japan and Mexico. Uh, he entered the AWA as uh, Coquina Maximus. Uh, oh man, I can't, I just can't say it. My brain doesn't know that one. Is remembered for breaking the leg and ending the career of Greg Gagne. He was 34. Yeah, um, 
that picture that I had up was from uh, the show that they recently did on uh, the network uh, icons. And it's definitely a really good watch. You get to hear from his children, um, obviously uh, from uh, Fatu. But what I didn't know and got out of that whole uh, show also was the fact that he potentially was going to be one of the original head shrinkers and not Fatu going in. But something happened. I think he got injured, and they're bringing him in, and it became Fatu and uh, Samu as the uh, head shrinkers. And then we're trying to figure out what to do with this other Samoan without it being another Samoan, because every time you turn around, they were just more Samoans, like well, Haku and Tama and the wild Samoans, Sika and Afa, and now the head shrinkers, uh, off, and Samu and Fatu. What do you do with them? And uh, I think it was, they said Sergeant Slaughter or somebody came up with the idea of making him Japanese. And it kind of worked. And the rest is history. But they originally, and there is some footage of him uh, in a dark match uh, being part of the head shrinkers uh, mm. before he got the injury. But uh, definitely go back and uh, check out uh, Yokozuna icons on the WD network. Excellent. Moving on now to October 3rd. 36 years ago today, WWF taped the second edition of Saturday Night's Main Event. The show featured the wedding of El Uncle Elmer. Uh, Hulk Hogan defeated Nik uh, Nikita Koloff, oh man, Nikolai Volkov, to retain the WWF championship. And Andre the Giant and Tony Atlas defeated Big John Studd in King Kong Bundy via DQ. 16 years ago, WWE presented Raw Homecoming. This was WWE's return to its original cable home, the USA Network. After five years of Spike TV, this would be the first ever three-hour episode of Raw. Edge would uh, defeat Matt Hardy in a Money in the Bank ladder match. As a result of the loss, Matt Hardy was kicked from the Raw roster. Ric Flair and Triple H defeated Carlito and Chris Masters. Post-match, Triple H turned on the Nature Boy, thus ending the last ties of Evolution. That dastardly yeah, Triple all, H. They all turn at some point. Eight years ago, WWE signed Lee Van Dale to a WWE developmental contract. Van Dale was a former cheerleader for the Los Angeles Lakers and New England Patriots. She is a second-generation wrestler, and her father, Paul Van Dale, was enhancement talent for the WWF in the 90s. Uh, she would go on by the ring name Carmella. Yeah, she just recently got traded, uh, well, just uh, the other night, back uh, over to Raw for the very first time. And that's where her uh, boyfriend, fiance, whatever he is, Corey Graves, is uh, commentating on. No, oh. my 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 wife really likes Corey Graves. Anyways, it's a happy 38th birthday to John Randall Hannigan, known as Johnny Nitro or John Morrison or Johnny Mundo, and he has some other names. Uh, the Los Angeles-born Hannigan is best known for his time in WWE, which began after he had won Tough Enough 3 in 2002. His first notable appearance came as Johnny Blaze, an assistant to Raw General Manager Eric Bischoff. He eventually adopted the name Johnny Nitro, complete with the theme for from WCW Monday Nitro. Yeah, and then uh, disappeared after that, <coughs> returned as part of Eminem uh, with... Uh, Mercury and Melina, and uh, became Johnny Nitro. So that was the, uh, well, he was Johnny Nitro then. And then uh, in ECW, uh, when unfortunately the whole Benoit thing happened, he became uh, John Morrison. And it worked because he looked a whole lot, especially when he did that change, a lot like Jim Morrison from The Doors. Mm -hmm. So it, it was a good looking name for him. And you said he, uh, Kind of changed his name with every uh, place that he went to. Uh, Lucha Underground was Johnny Mundo. Over on Impact, it was Johnny Impact. Um, right now, he is back on WWE as Johnny Nitro and, uh, or John Morrison, should I say, and uh, 
supposed to be feuding eventually with Miz when he comes back from Dancing with the Stars, but it's been interesting to see him being at the height of his career that he was, being the Impact Wrestling Champion, and coming back as a sidekick comedy routine with The Miz. So I'm hoping now that they split them up that there's uh, more in store for him. And his wife, who is Talia Valkyrie, or um, Frankie Monet in uh, NXT, that uh, is his wife. So hmm. hopefully she eventually gets uh, brought up. It would have been the 82nd birthday to Joseph Milton James, a.k.a. Bullet Bob Armstrong. He had served in the United States Marine Corps and was stationed in Korea. After leaving the military, James worked as a firefighter. He got his name Bullet after an injury while, uh, which occurred while bench pressing a dumbbell in a gym in Georgia. The bench Armstrong was on broke and the weight severely damaged his nose. It almost uh, torn completely off. While undergoing plastic surgery, Armstrong uh, would don a mask and begin using the ring name, The Bullet. Armstrong would train and tag with his four sons, Joseph, who wrestled in referees as Scott, Robert, who wrestled as Brad, uh, who would die in November of 2012, Steve, and Brian, who is best remembered as Road Dog Jesse James. Armstrong went into semi-retirement in the 90s, appearing occasionally at events in Georgia and Alabama, and serving as the commissioner of Smoky Mountain Wrestling. He also worked for the Continental Wrestling Federation and Southeast Championship Wrestling. The two-time NWA Southern Heavyweight Champion and winner of over 60 regional championships, nearly all of them with NWA affiliates, mm -hmm. was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame back in 2011. He would die shortly before his 81st birthday. Rest in peace, Bullet Bob. Yeah. Moving on to October 4th, 46 years ago, a twin-engine Cessna 310 plane heading to Legion Stadium in Wilmington, North Carolina, from Charlotte, piloted by Vietnam War veteran Joseph Michael Farkas, uh, carried Ric Flair, David Crockett, Bob Bruggers, Tim Woods, and Johnny Valentine. To lighten the plane's heavy load, the pilot chose to dump fuel instead of redistributing weight throughout the plane. The choice proved costly as the plane ran out of gas, sank from about 4,000 feet, and crashed just 100 yards short of the runway, missing a nearby water tower. David Crockett suffered head and arm injuries and lost two teeth, Bruggers, Valentine, Woods, and Flair all suffered back injuries. Woods also suffered a concussion and bruised ribs. Uh, Bruggers would undergo back surgery and have a steel rod inserted into his spinal column and decided to retire. Uh, Flair's back was broken in three places and returned to the ring just eight months later. Uh, Valentine, in addition to his broken back, a bone fragment that became embedded in his spinal column, a clamp would be needed uh, to be inserted to hold the bones in his back together, rendering Valentine paralyzed and confined to a wheelchair for the remainder of his life. Farkas also suffered back injuries and went into a coma, which he never came out of. He uh, would die from his injuries just two months later at the age of 28. This is almost akin to the rock and roll version of uh, the day the music died when Richie Valens yes. and Big Bopper and all them crashed. But at least, um, uh, thankfully, these guys were able to walk away from uh, that or, well, at least survived the crash. And then looking at this uh, picture that I have up to see Ric Flair built like that compared to the image that I have of Ric Flair from the time I first started watching him until obviously today, totally different uh, body type. You would never have guessed that Rick was that solid, I guess. Mm -hmm. Very barrel chested for Ric Flair and huge arms uh, to go along with that. Not anything that I recall seeing when I first started watching Ric Flair in the, uh, late 80s yeah you would you would think it almost it's almost um a um a photoshop <laughs> yeah 
It's like, whose body is that? Uh, 39 years ago in Charlotte, North Carolina, Sergeant Slaughter defeated Ricky Steamboat in the finals of a tournament to crown the new NWA United States champion. The tournament was commissioned when Wahoo McDaniel uh, was forced to vacate the title due to injuries suffered by Abdullah the Butcher. That Abby. Yeah. 22 years ago on Nitro from Kansas City, Disco Inferno defeated the Psychosis to win the WCW Cruiserweight Championship. And on the same show, Bret Hart defeated Chris Benoit in what was billed as a tribute match to the late and great Owen Hart. Yeah, it was actually a really good match between the two of them. I also remember seeing them in Toronto uh, Mayhem for the uh, vacant title going against each other. They had a really good chemistry working with each other. Um, it's just unfortunate that Brett got kicked in the head and Chris had his issues too. Yeah, issues. Um, 16 years ago, WWE presented Hell in a Cell, which featured these three Hell in a Cell matches. Uh, the Undertaker would defeat Sam Punk to win the World Heavyweight Championship. Randy Orton defeated John Cena to win the WWE Championship. And D-Generation X, uh, which was Triple H and Shawn Michaels at that time, defeated the Legacy, Cody Rhodes and Ted DiBiase, in a tag team Hell in a Cell match. Wow, that's, that's, I, don't, I didn't even realize Cody Rhodes and Ted DiBiase uh, made it to fighting big names like Triple H and Shawn Michaels. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, Legacy was actually a decent uh, group, and even when uh, Cody uh, split off from them, uh, from that, and the, the dashing Cody Rhodes and stuff like that, he was super talented. It's unfortunate that a lot of people are considering him much like the modern-day Triple H, and Brandy, his wife, uh, being by his side, is inciting a lot of fans to boo him. Um He's very smart. I think the one thing that I would fault with him is that he is trying to relive some of his dad's stuff. Or I get honoring what his dad did, but there's some sort of thing that, I don't know, he feels Mm -hmm. that his dad's legacy has been disrespected and he's trying to correct it all in AEW. So... That, that would be my concern and problem with Cody Rhodes, but I think he's an amazing talent. But, yeah, they got to go against uh, DX in a really good uh, tag team, Hell in a Cell. Cool. It's a happy 73rd birthday to former WWE president and CEO, Linda McMahon. Born Linda Edwards, she was an only child in a military family in North Carolina. She met her future husband, Vinnie Mac, at age 13 and got married to him shortly after her high school graduation in 1966. Linda worked for a corporate law firm in the D.C. area. In 79, Vince founded Titan Sports and Linda worked at the Cape Cod Coliseum, cooking sandwiches for the attendees at the events. Linda was brought along for administration purposes, and her knowledge of intellectual property rights eventually made her a valuable asset. Uh, I'm losing my spot. Uh, Negotiation. She was in uh, part of the negotiation of the company's first toy line in 1984, uh, expanding the audience of the product and the WWF's television deal in 2000. Linda would become the WWF's president in 93 and CEO in 97. In 2009, McMahon stepped down from her post as WWE CEO to run for the United States Senate, which failed twice. Uh, recently, she did. Uh, she was with Trump's administration. Now, I don't need, I don't know what she does now. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure either. Uh, but yeah, she was part of uh, Trump's administration. Uh, never never get her to take a stunner. She's even worse than what Vince's uh, original stunner taking was. But to give her amazing credit, that storyline that uh, they had going into WrestleMania 17 uh, with Vince uh, medicating her and trying to divorce her and stuff like that and having an affair with Trish, 
amazing, especially the payoff at WrestleMania 17 where she got wheeled down in the wheelchair, looking all uh, out of it, drugged up, and then Vince put her in the ring, sat her in a chair in the corner uh, to watch uh, him take down their son. And seeing uh, Shane about to get hit by Vince and pointing back at his mom, Linda, the change from being comatose to awake and then kicking Vince and taking him out. Amazing. Like something tells me she took uh, she, she, what she is into meditation. Oh, she must be because there's no way. I don't know how she was able to transfer the other and she's not a regular performer either. So for her to have been able to do that the whole time, during that match of seeing her husband and son battle each other, get tossed into the ring and sat in a chair without changing at all. Phenomenal. That's probably how she looks at Vince when he rambles on about something and just, uh. yeah. Anyways, we're moving on to October 5th now. 24 years ago, Brian Pillman was found dead in a hotel room in Bloomington, Minnesota, just hours before WWF Bad Blood. He was just 35 years old. And on the same day as Pillman's death, WWF president, uh, sorry, presented Bad Blood in Your House, which featured the very first Hell in a Cell match of which Shawn Michaels won over The Undertaker due to the debut of Kane. Uh, Vince announced the death of Pillman and was the final pay-per-view of McMahon as the WWF's lead commentator. Also on the card, uh, Owen Hart defeated Farouk to win the vacated WWF IC belt. 22 years ago at a SmackDown taping in Uniondale, New York, Darren Drozdoff was seriously injured uh, following a botched powerbomb by D'Lo Brown. Uh, Darren would suffer two fractured discs in his neck as a result of landing on his head, an injury that initially left him a quadriplegic. Yeah, and see in this picture what Darren looked like uh, getting out of football and being in wrestling. Uh, of course, uh, people remember uh, him trying out or having this meeting with Vince uh, as part of the uh, Beyond the Mat DVD, and Vince going, "He's gonna puke! He's he he's gonna puke!" and him puking on command in the garbage can in Vince's office. And then, unfortunately, after uh, the incident with D'Lo, which they are still friends, though, today, because he acknowledges it being as an accident, but he has his little uh, tank-looking four-wheeler uh, going on, and you wouldn't know it's the same man uh, between the pitcher on the left and the right. Mm-hmm. But thankfully, he's able to... Uh, obviously forgive D'Lo for the accident and uh, still have a somewhat productive life. Yeah, unfortunately, that's the price some of them pay. He's been able to adapt. Yes. 21 years ago, Annabelle Gonzalez Hernandez, best known as Juventud Guerrera, uh, was arrested following an incident at a hotel lobby in Australia. He was charged with three counts of assault, disorderly conduct, obstruction, and drug possession, and two counts of assaulting police. He only received a $3,000 fine. He avoided jail time because it was proven he was the sole supporter of his family. He was released by his employer, WCW. The juice was loose. The juice was loose. 17 years ago, at a SmackDown taping in Boston, Massachusetts, Carlos Colon Jr., a.k.a. Carlito, makes his WWE television debut and defeated John Cena to win the WWE United States Championship. Definitely one of those uh, memorable debuts. Yeah, I'm a fan of uh, Carlito's, and uh, he did appear at the uh, Royal Rumble, and I thought, hey, this is great. He's uh, maybe refocused and actually wanting to do his uh, career because that's one of his uh, faults that unfortunately uh, didn't uh, make him lasting long in WD was because he was ha- maybe lacked focus on his career and doing stuff. And it was like, oh, okay, great. You know, he wants to do this and he's back, but they didn't end up signing it or he didn't uh, decide to sign. Though he did work on uh, stuff with Glow mm-hmm. uh, along with uh, Chavo. 
Uh, so if you're a fan of uh, the Glow uh, series that was on Netflix, I'm not sure if it's still there. It lasted three seasons. He was a part of that. I believe they – I'm not sure if they're doing – I think they're doing one more season is the plan. Uh, they were looking at doing that, but uh, Netflix actually canceled them. Uh, oh, they, bastard. they got a, a couple of episodes started, I think, and now, hey, uh, the pandemic happened. Oh, really? Wow. So in in uh, in all that uh, uh, v, all those VHS tapes you have and all that, do you still have the glow tape, the VHS tape? Uh, somewhere it didn't. Make somewhere it. in your collection is one of those. It didn't make it over to here, so there's still no. more to play. But I, at the same time, I'm, unless it's a uh, important thing, I'm getting rid of all the uh, videotapes because the, the WD network has it all. Yeah, true. Though there is some people out there that would, um, in fact, I know one person that might actually, actually, Duker's one, and there's another person. 17 years ago in a SmackDown taping in Boston, now we already did that one. 12 years ago on Raw, The Miz defeated Kofi Kingston to win the WWE United States Championship. And seven years ago at a Lucha Underground taping in Los Angeles, Prince Puma defeated Johnny Mundo in Aztec's Warfare to become the first, first Lucha Underground champion. People may or may not be aware that Prince Puma is Ricochet. And this yes. would have been great to see in WWE, but with how they both have been treated in WWE lately, uh, you know, lately Ricochet's been running out the 24-7 title, and John uh, Morrison was stuck with uh, Miz doing water gun fights. Like I said, thankfully Miz and Morrison are split, and hopefully there's some future uh, boosting up of the John Morrison uh, profile and character. And then just the other night, um, Ricochet got traded over to SmackDown for the first time. So hopefully... They have a plan for them. It was actually announced during the TV uh, portion. So I would hope that those who were announced as trades and draftees, however they want to be uh, recognized as during the WWE draft, I'm hoping those ones who appeared on TV as announced are people that the company has plans for moving forward as opposed to the draft choices that were made off-air where they're just, okay, we're going to divide you guys mm -hmm. up here and there. The ones on TV hopefully have plans in place, and he was one of them, and it would be nice to see what uh, SmackDown has in store for Ricochet. Moving on to October 6th. 24 years ago, WWF's Raw's War gets stomped in the ratings by WCW Monday Nitro. But the WWF show creates the bigger impression with a pair of controversial moments. In one segment, Jim Cornette would shoot on WCW. And in another segment, Vince McMahon interviewed Melanie, uh, 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 ugh, Melanie Pillman, uh, widowed just a day after her husband Brian was found dead in his hotel room. The interview segment would include asking the widow how Mar Marlene was going to support her kids. The interview won a Wrestling Observer Award for Most Disgusting Promotional Tactic. Yeah, this gets uh, brought up in the uh, Brian Pillman uh, episode of uh, Dark Side of the Ring because Melanie is there on that show and has had some rough years uh, since Brian's passing. And wow, uh, definitely something to look uh, at what happened there and the behind the scenes. And you even have Brian Pillman Jr. who wrestles for AEW as a part of that. And he's almost a spitting image of his dad. And if I recall right, uh, Jr. was expected when uh, Brian died. I don't think he was uh, born before Brian hmm. uh, passed away. 18 years ago, Robert James Gino Morella, uh, best known to the wrestling world as Gorilla Monsoon, died of heart failure brought on by complications of diabetes. He was 62. Interesting, uh, Morella worked in construction. One of the buildings he helped construct was the Rochester War Memorial. 
where if you go there, he is part of the Wrestling Hall of Fame. Very nice. 14 years ago in Edison, New Jersey, uh, Nigel McGuinness uh, defeated Taki Mishi. Sorry, sometimes, you know, you, you, you look at the beginning and you think it's going to be one. But Tashi Morihima got it to some of these names to win the ROH World Championship. Bottom line there is Nigel McGuinness beat some guy. It's, it's a happy 57th birthday to Dixie Carter Salinas. Born in Dallas, Carter graduated from the University of Mississippi in 1986 with a Bachelor's of Business and Administration and worked as an intern for advertising firm Levinson & Hill and at the age of 32 became the firm's vice president. Three years prior, she started her own business in Nashville focusing on sports and music re- representation. She bailed TNA out uh, when its primary financial backer had some legal issues. Her parents, who owned Panda Energy out of Dallas, purchased 71% stake in TNA for $250,000. And naturally had to become an on-air personality instead of an owner who sits back and does nothing. Or does does the business side of things. So they made her a character. And it's almost like how Tony Khan said he was not going to be part of the on-air character. And poof, he's a character within his own business. It'd be nice when promoters don't do it. Because a lot of times, and independent scenes as well, when the promoter gets involved, they're the focus as opposed to the talent that's uh, supposed to be in the ring selling seats. Yeah. Damn promoters. October 7th, 47 years ago, Olympic weightlifter Ken Patera, uh, the four-time national weightlifting champion and third-place finisher in the 1977 World Strongest Man competition, announces his retirement from Olympic weightlifting and goes on to a moderately successful wrestling career. He would hold the WWF Intercontinental Championship and the NWA Missouri Heavyweight Championship in 1980 and the AWA World Tag Team Championship twice and was voted PWI's Most Hated Wrestler in 77 and 81. I only, knew him, I only knew him as a, uh, uh, a crappy good guy in uh, his kind of dying years in the WWF. Exactly. Yeah, same here. But imagine what his career would have been like potentially had he not gotten angry at McDonald's and threw a rock through the window and got arrested and did time in jail. So I can say sometimes when I see the arches, I want to throw a rock through a window. Uh, 31 years ago, Rockin' Robin defeated Sensational Sherry to win the WWF's Women's Championship. She would be the final champion uh, before the title was deactivated in 1990. Of course, the 90, uh, in 93, the belt made a return with a lender ablaze. Then again, it was deactivated when it was trashed. Uh, but it came back in 95 with Jacqueline, then changed to the WWE Women's Championship belt. Uh, Lee Cool were last to hold the belt in May of 2010, though McCool was unofficially a co-champion and defended the belt in place of Layla. And in 2010, Michelle McCool defeated Melina to unify the Women's Championship with the WWE Divas Championship, which briefly became known as the Unified WWE Divas Championship. Hope yeah. you got all that. A lot of different changes for that belt. Uh, Rock and Robin still uh, has her uh, version of the title. Uh, she had it with her during her uh, Dark Side of the Ring interviews and showed that uh, Medusa brought her version of it uh, to the uh, Hall of Fame after uh, obviously getting it out of the garbage from the uh, night that she dumped it in uh, ni- at Nitro. And then, of course, the uh, Butterfly Belt, which was the Divas title, made it all the way until uh, Charlotte ended up retiring it and getting the uh, Women's Championship. You know what? I thought that Divas Belt set back women many, many years. Yeah, well, at the same time, considering what women were uh, wrestling for, for, um, because when it was still the women's championship, you had people like Jackie, Lita, and Trish with it. But then when you had 
uh, it go to the Divas title. You had the Bellas, Candice, uh, Michelle, and Kelly Kelly, and those type of models getting it over actual wrestlers. So mm -hmm. it fit the people who were wearing it uh, because they weren't real wrestlers. They were more just eye candy. And they realized that during the evolution with women to create a title that looked and was uh, represented the same as the men's championship by creating the uh, WWE Women's Championship. And then, of course, it got divided into a Raw and SmackDown deal, but it actually looks like the same as the WWE and Universal titles. 23 years ago, Public Enemy, uh, Flyboy fly Rocker Rock, and Johnny Grunge defeated the Gangstas, New Jack and Mustafa, uh, and Raven and Stevie Richards, who just won the tag belts in a previous match versus the Pitbulls, uh, in a three-way dance to win the ECW World Tag Team Championship for the fourth time. 22 years ago on Raw's War, the Legion of Doom, Hawk and Animal, defeated the Godwins to win the WWF Tag Team Championship. 20 years ago, Chris Adams was shot and killed during a drunken brawl with a friend at his home in uh, Waxachichi, uh, Texas. How would you say that? Uh, nope. Oh, Waxahachie. Waxahachie. That, there you go. Uh, he was 46. Uh, he had a huge influence on Steve Austin's career. So, uh, yeah. I never got to see gentleman uh, Chris Adams, but... I remember him on uh, Saturday night, um, uh, WCW Saturday night. He was on there a lot. No, maybe as a jobber. Maybe I would have seen him that way, but not as a actual superstar oh yeah yeah no he was he was a, a, a he was a high class jobber 14 years ago wwe presented no mercy from the all-state arena in chicago illinois about 12,500 people were in attendance uh with uh, over 270,000 homes watching on the pay-per-view the show featured a record three wwe championship matches uh, and that was due primarily to John Zena injuring his pectoral muscle the week before the show. The show would open with Randy Orton, Zena's original challenger, awarded the WWE Championship um, because of Zena's injury. Triple H defeated Randy Orton to win the WWE Championship. Triple H defeated Umanga to retain the WWE Championship. But uh, Beth Phoenix defeated Candice Michelle to win the WWE Women's Championship belt. And Batista would go on to defeat the Great Khali in a Punjabi prison match to retain the World Heavyweight Championship. And Randy Orton defeated Triple H in the last man standing match to win the WWE Championship. Three matches. A lot of, a lot of uh, back and forth there. Yeah, three matches for Triple H just to get the belt back to Randy Orton and make it seem as though he earned it. Bah. It's a happy 33rd birthday for uh, Chelsea Bonin, uh, best known to wrestling fans as Caitlin. Oh, sorry, that's probably pronounced Celeste. Celeste, Bowen. yes. Celeste, there we go. And that is it for this week. Uh, hopefully I didn't butcher too many names. Uh, sorry there, uh, Chelsea. Uh, this week in wrestling, history is compiled from the vast land of Google, Wikipedia, kchideseats.com, and most importantly, from fans and journalists that had front row seats to history. And a big thank you to, of course, our sponsor, CoolBet, CoolBet.com, and sports book betting and casino games. Give them a look, check them out, and enjoy. Yes, thank you, as always, for compiling this list. I have your next list uh... I just checked my email and saw that. I don't know how I skipped it the other day when it did come, but uh, I do have it. I'm going to start uh, loading up some pictures in time for next week's episode. So thank you for taking us through that uh, trip through our rich history of our great sport. And uh, yeah, we'll see what happens uh, next week, what uh, things are coming up. I haven't uh, seen the list fully yet, but I know October is going to be Probably some Halloween Havocs coming up in the next couple episodes. And uh, 
some no mercies or at least some hell in the cells. So we'll see what goes on with that. Um, but yeah, thank you for joining us on YouTube or Facebook, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, anywhere you else you get your podcast from. We appreciate you listening to us. Check us out on the Johnish Podcasting Network. There is an app for that. Over 40 different uh, channels to listen to. So many different styles. You don't want to miss out on that. And of course, go over to our uh, page, our store over at Pro Wrestling Tees, ProWrestlingTees.com backslash Scumbags Wrestling, and you can get a t-shirt with our logos on it. So thank you for uh, being a part of that. And money from our t-shirts goes to help Stevens Wrestling Journey and uh, Sick Kids Hospital in Toronto for carrying malformation research. So until next time, have a good one.